Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, parents, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, and we are really excited to be back with you again for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, A Brain Science Approach to Parenting. Once again, we are grabbing a question off of our Facebook group page. It's the Wonder of Parenting Facebook group. If you have not joined it yet, we encourage you to do so. It's pretty simple. You just go to Facebook and do a search, Wonder of Parenting. And then when you get to the page, just hit join, and then we'll let you in as soon as we get the notification. And the beauty of this Facebook group is it's over a 1,000 parents just like you and everyday stuff. And the questions posted there get good responses, good insight. And we pulled another one from there today. And um, it's uh, another good one, as is every question uh, that you ask. So, Michael, before we get started, uh, we've got two sponsors who make this possible for us. Tell us a little bit about the Forge School. Yeah, the Forge School in Tennessee, in rural Tennessee, um, uh, for boys 14 to 17 who are having issues. So it's, it's residential treatment. And um, it's uh, six weeks to around three months. It's what they call short term. Uh, and luckily, and I was I was just there working together. They've set up a very boy friendly environment. Great staff, and and luckily most insurance they said pay. So that's a, a relief for parents. Uh, so if if you know of a boy or you have a son, fourteen to seventeen, who is having issues with you know with school, with conduct, with um, depression, you know who's really having issues. The Forge School is a great place to look at. And if you go to wonderofparenting.com, you can click on The Forge. And also encourage you to check out our other sponsor, Greg Jantz, and the great people up there in the Seattle area, the Center Place of Hope. A lot of great resources for you for a lot of different uh, challenges that we face in our lives, our kids face in their lives. And uh, if you ever need their help, they are available for you. The, the uh, wonderofparenting.com is the website, wonderofparenting.com. The Center Place of Hope and also the Forge School. So I mentioned that we're taking this question from our Facebook page, and we've titled the question, The Son with the Annoying Behavior, and you'll understand why as we read that through. Uh, it's a rather long uh, situation, but I, I think all of it's really pertinent and important. Uh, I am the mom of two boys, ages seven and four. My oldest son is struggling socially. He has always gravitated toward behaviors that others, children and adults alike, consider annoying. He makes cat sounds, roars like a dinosaur, beats his chest like a gorilla, and on and on. This has been happening since he was very young. He has a vast vocabulary for his age and is extremely verbal, so it is not an inability to communicate. He is a major extrovert and talks constantly. When he was younger, we assume that the behavior would be corrected in social situations by his peers. Unfortunately, he is now in second grade and no such luck. He still behaves in these unacceptable ways, and though the other children in his class and playgroup shun him, reprimand him for the behavior, and exclude him from activities, he persists. 
We've had numerous conversations with him about the behavior, about how the behavior is not acceptable and viewed by others around him, but he doesn't believe us. He asserts that his peers think it is funny when we have clearly witnessed that they aren't laughing with him, they are laughing at him. The annoying behaviors have him identified by teachers and other adults as bad, as a bad apple, and he receives more than his share of the blame when infractions occur. He has been in preschool and public school since very young, so is always in social settings except for the nine months of COVID remote learning at the end of his kinder year and through first grade, first half of first grade. Uh, his younger brother does not seem to have these same issues. My four-year-old picks up on social cues and while enjoys being loud and rough and a tumble boy, uh, when the atmosphere doesn't support it, he backs off and adjusts his behavior. My husband and I are at a loss for how to help our son to build relationships and advocates uh, without breaking his spirit. We want him to be the individual he was born to be without being so isolated. He craves making deep friendships, but other kids often can't get past these behaviors. All right, that's a really interesting one, Michael, because on the one hand, you read that and you think, wow, what a creative kid. On the other hand, it sounds like there may be some challenges. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've, I, as I've read this over and over again, I really thought about the fact that this guy might have a... Um, a uh, might be somewhere on the ASD spectrum, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, you know autism, Asperger's uh, on that spectrum. I just I just wonder that, and I and the first thing I want to say is to the parents is if you haven't explored that with a professional, you know, it might be that might be a good conversation. It might be good to have this child uh, to meet with that person right that psychiatrist or that professional there are agencies obviously all over that deal with asd one can go online and look up and find a place because he may need even if it turns out he does not he is not on on that autism spectrum that conversation and maybe some of those neuropsych batteries that could be done with him might then elicit something else you know might might help figure out what what's going on with him uh, because if this has been going on seven years, well, it would be more like five, five and a half, six years. Um, I just, I just suspect there is something more going on because you would, you would find that, based on what they described, you would think that by seven, he would be picking up social cues better. And so the the trigger for me to think about this is the fact that she said he does a couple times that he doesn't really pick up the social cues. Right. And that's why I'm wondering if there's just a, something going on in his brain that fits on that spectrum. Okay, so that's the first major thing I would say. Um, uh, should we stay with that or should I keep going? Uh, why don't you keep going and then we'll come back to it. Okay. Then in terms of the uh, the all, all the different behaviors, the gorilla, you know, and the, the dinosaur and all of that. I mean, there's it's not like... There's anything abnormal about all that, and she even says she's her other son's also rough and tumble. It's it's that's that he can't pick up social cues. Um, he he might he might need. Um, well, first I think they should get this assessment, and then see what those people say. But he might need like a different kind of school, a school that has more structure, or but it might sound counterintuitive. He might need to be homeschooled. It might be that he, that the environment he's in, it's just not 
you know, it's not working for him. It either has too many kids in it, so that he gets stimulated to act this way, you know, um, too many kids with too little structure, so the kind of the social container is too kind of too overstimulating for his brain, and all the stimuli of all these kids, and so he just reverts to this kind of thing, you know, sort of what we would call posturing or showing off or being really loud, um, calling attention to himself, and and you know, uh, so maybe changing the environment could help. Uh, the third thing I would say is also look at since this is behavior where he is constantly calling attention to himself also look at the family system the nurturing system um uh you know was he adopted well i don't think he was i don't think he was but if he was adopted some of this stuff could be explained neurobiologically um uh, uh in the family system is he getting enough attention you know what i mean like just, mm-hmm. uh, is there a divorce here? Is the dad gone? So he's not getting that attention. I mean, that that's also worth looking at. I still think there's something going on in his brain, but it is it is possible that in the family system, he needs to get more structured attention from, you know, and love and affection and, and attention from the people in the system and maybe from more than one parent. Um and maybe from more than two parents, you know, or it may be one of the parents needs to give more attention and focus and structure uh, and discipline with the child. Um, so those are the three areas I would look at. Is there something going on in his brain? Is the broader environment too big, too diverse, too overstimulating? Does he need a more structured, maybe smaller environment? And then what's happening in the family system? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, so let's go back to um, the, the, what's happen- potentially happening on the brain. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the spectrum. Um, can you tease that out a little bit? I, I think we, we are now certainly understand more about some of these issues than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, this, some of these, lang- these words, autism and so on, are fairly new even for me, and I'm 63 years old, right? We just didn't know a lot about it. Um, and, you know, when she says he's very intelligent, he's highly verbal, um, we sometimes think, well, if you're highly verbal and you're highly intelligent, then there can't be an issue that would put you on the spectrum, but that can actually be a, a sign. Is that correct? Oh, of being highly verbal? A sign of autism? 
Yeah, not not that no, they're I highly verbal. That. Not that they're oh. a sign of it, but that that it doesn't mean that they aren't. That that we we it's easy for us to assume if somebody's on the spectrum that maybe they're they're not as smart. Oh, uh, their oh. skills are not as strong. But that's okay. not the case at all. No, interestingly. Interestingly, um, and, and we're going to jump off of this, and I'm not absolutely saying to these parents, right? I have not diagnosed right. this yep. kid. This is, I'm just trying to give them help. So I don't know that this child is. But let's say that a child, yes, that a child is on the spectrum. Uh, very often, uh, this child, uh, the, there are certain gray matter areas of the brain that are hyperdeveloped. You know, like yep. like he's a male, so he's doing words on the left. So uh the the verbals the words on the front left that gray matter area might be very well developed for him and um and and the autism or the asd you know that's that's happening more where the social cues are picked up the facial cues kind of more in the midbrain and and that's quite often happens like you can have an autistic child who's really not good with social cues but is incredible at math or because that gray matter area you know, develops very well or um, memory, you know, and or I should say and or because they can have multiple skills and or could just have an amazing memory. You know, you say anything to this kid or he reads anything or she reads anything and they remember. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Autism is affecting a certain part of the brain and then that can spread out, but it doesn't negate that they they can be incredibly talented or savants. Right. Right. And and um. So, so tell us a little bit, um, if you can, it just, and we're, we're sort of jumping off, right? Um, you talked about autism, you talked about Asperger's. Um, what, what are some of the differences between the two? Oh, yeah, it's all a spectrum now. Right, because, right. Yeah, because of all these different terminologies, but really, it's, we feel... Okay, so I'm not an autism expert, right? I'm, I'm just right, looking. For, right. I just have research. I'm not an expert in this, but I think that everyone sort of feels like it's on a spectrum. So to say one thing is autism and one thing is Asperger's was what we did previously, and maybe we don't do as as much now. But um, if we could, if we did still use the language, I would say we would say Asperger's is a little less serious. You know, we would see. Um, uh, like with autism, we might see more sort of violent stuff come through, or at least hyper aggressive, mm-hmm. right? Because because the overstim and and also because of not picking up cues, significantly not picking up social cues. You know, not even some of the empathy, the insulo can work differently, right? They're not creating mirror neurons as well, so they're not they don't have as much empathy because you really need the insula to work well to have um, mirror neurons, to have empathy. So, you know, I, I would put it more into that would be more serious um, in terms of the various things you see that can create such difficulty for parents and for the children. And then Asperger's is a little more, um, well, he doesn't really look me in the eye. He he uh, doesn't pick up the social cues real well, doesn't really know what to say to people. So he sort of will isolate because he's not as good socially but you know he still functions, he's he's still working, um, and and so it's more about degrees I think now, and mm-hmm. that's why we just we call it a spectrum. And right. this guy, I you know I I'm putting him on possibly possibly based on ten sentences possibly he could be on the spectrum because of because of the social cues thing. Right, right. And when I show when I go out and show um, you know when I'm doing talks, especially if I'm if I'm doing um, 
uh, keynotes or training, uh, like at a raising special kids conference, right? In a, one that's on um, learning challenged or kids on the spectrum, and trying to help with that. I show scans in uh, which people can actually see how inflamed certain parts of the brain are hmm. of the ASD child. Um, inflamed certain parts are, and but then where there are gaps in other parts, uh, you know, like where the insulin isn't working as well, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the belief now, I think, is or has been maybe for 10, 15 years that that what's happening is there are mutations that are getting into um, sperm and egg and sperm and egg come together. And and so it's very possible the mutations are, you know, are there at conception. And then as the child grows in utero, the mutations exist in the brain, then the child is born and then you can almost immediately start seeing that there's been some mutations in how certain areas in the brain are going to work. And, and then you get these gaps or you get these, the inflamed, um, uh, it's starting, you know, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people used to, parents used to think, well, I, I caused this, right. I caused right, my child right. to be this way. That, yes. that was, yeah. that was never correct. Um, but it was, you know, that was very painful for those parents. Not correct. Um, these are de novo mutations that, that are coming in before the child's born. So let's let's assume now that he's not on the spectrum. Okay. That he's just got really interesting behavior. He's wired a bit differently, but his parents are still concerned about it. Uh, so you've talked about you know changing some environments and so on. Um, maybe he's being overstimulated in the environment he's in, um, and so on. Uh, would there be when you look at it without now thinking about him being on the spectrum? Would there be things that you would recommend in terms of diet, health uh, changes, maybe fitness changes, t screens, the usual things that you tend to look at. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because with him, with him, you might, they might have to even concentrate more on certain things. Like, like it might be want to keep him, you know, if he ends up being on the spectrum, you might do more screens with him. Uh, but if he's not, you know, maybe keep uh, him away from screens, especially from, oh, uh, you know, movies or, uh, well, certainly video games. I mean, he's only seven. I wouldn't have him playing any video games. Um, and get him more to where, so that he's doing more interaction with other people, so that he's getting more practice in interactions with other people, uh, because you you just don't get practice. This kid just, you know, can't get practice uh, when he's looking into screens. With food, um, I would look at see, seeing... I'd recommend a couple things. One is maybe get a professional psychiatrist or someone or the pediatrician to order the um, the gene testing that can at least can, can you'd you can learn a lot. You know, there's various kinds of gene testing. I would look at the gene testing that looks at what food is good or not good for his genes. And then potentially if they end up deciding to do something clinical, then the testing that shows what meds might help him. Um, on the food side, you know, he might be he might be eating a food like gluten, a uh, very common one. He might be eating gluten and uh, and the gluten itself he could be allergic to and or the way the gluten is treated, the chemicals in there that become bread, he could be allergic to. Um, that, you know, that can trigger because we've talked before about how the stomach, right, the gut is a reflection of the brain and the brain's a reflection of the stomach. The stomach is a second brain. So, um, so what's going on there and how that gets digested and processed right and in the bloodstream then affects the brain so 
let's say it's gluten. It could be dairy. Uh, could be something else. Uh, if, if, if what the parents would want to do is figure out what that is and then take that out of his diet for like a, a month no gluten for a month and see what happens to his behavior because there is a direct connection for many kids between what they're intaking and their behavior uh, junk food is another one take him off a of junk food for a month like no no whatever you know hamburgers cheeseburgers etc no uh processed food like filet of fish or you know i'm not thinking of them all now uh but junk food whatever is junk food take him off of that for a month see if it alters his behavior uh that it's i'm really glad you brought that up so would it be advisable for parents and and again let's assume now he's not on the spectrum Mm. would it be advisable for these parents to seek out um some sort of talk therapist uh, a a person who works with kids to to just kind of see what's going on uh would that be helpful for them yeah you know i'm a great believer in counseling of course being in the field and i think if they're if they're feeling if they've gotten to the point where they're you know kind of worried about him um which i kind of think they are then yes i would go to i my a big message for me today with them is talk to a professional um yeah and and make sure that person understands this age boy you know um, it's kind of boyfriendly, this professional, uh, and talk to them about it. And then if they can, you know, it may be that that, that therapist who is, who it's for a seven year old is probably going to do just as much sort of play sand drawing graphics, you know, mm-hmm. is going to do multimodal therapy with a seven year old can, you know, maybe they figure out, maybe this therapist can help him figure out that he, I mean, who knows, maybe he's been traumatized. I mean, possibly, uh, that's affected his brain development. Um, they could work on that, or maybe they could help look at the family system. To that other point I was making, is there something? Is there a huge gap there? Um, uh, not getting enough attention there, or the right kind of attention there? Not getting enough of the right kind of discipline in that system? Possibly, like therapists and counselors can help with all of these things. So, I do not see how that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as I've been looking at the, the question, especially near the end, um, we're at a loss. My husband and I are at a loss how to help our son build relationships and, and advocates without breaking his spirit right. uh, to be the individual he's born to be without being so isolated. So it does sound like these behaviors have isolated him and, mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem to have a lot of friends. Um, and it was interesting to me when you, you said earlier um, he, he seems to be one of the ways to look at that is he's calling a lot of attention to himself. Um, and, um, you know, is, is, is he doing these things? Is there something going on in his life? He's doing these things because he doesn't want people to get close to him. Uh, or does he feel mm-hmm. like people aren't close to him? So he's trying to draw attention. And then because he draws attention, people aren't close to him. It, it just seems like there's so many layers to where this, this little boy could be in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that definitely speaks to your point about getting some counseling help, get someone else involved, you know, helping these parents. So, and so they also have conversations with other people and another person who are looking at their son, working with their son, learning who he is uh, to help them. Cause I, I think for the parents have gotten to the point where, um, where they're, they're, they're going to need, they're going to need to do something. And, and yes. certainly getting the therapist is going to be something looking at if he's on the spectrum is going to be something that's a conversation with a different person. Um, 
uh, looking at the way they discipline in their family system, which they will need help to look at, seeing if there's anything going on there, um, uh, knowing that this can happen in this child without their family system really being a cause. Okay. Right. 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 We want to say that it's not like we're suddenly now saying the parents created this. Um, but uh, knowing that, but the family system could also be, could help with the cure. Um, if he, if he's ASD, the family system doesn't cure him, but the family system can help him to do better Mm -hmm. if there are ways to adjust the family system. Right. So not blaming it, but it is, it is the system and they are their primary caregivers. So helping, having someone help them look at themselves, um, uh, and then that person can also help to see if this is sort of dual, as you've said, two things going on at once. One is some part of him doesn't want the contact, while another part of him is is showing off and calling attention to himself to get the contact. Yeah. And and whenever we hear isolation, yeah, we let's get help with that because as as a boy gets more and more isolated, he can get you know more and more depressed, and mm. we would rather he didn't then move into a whole depression spectrum along with whatever else is happening. Another, you know, sort of quick clue I could give him is if there is any way for them to help him bond with another boy who's also a misfit, mm. you know, um, mm. or I guess girl, really. I mean, it's yep. seven, uh, you know, it's kind of asexual. It could be anyone. Some other child who's who could be like a best friend to him. And that person's also looking for a best friend, you know, because that kid is kind of a misfit. Um, it, it can be sometimes good to, to get these two bonded with each other so that at least they have, you know, a best friend. They may not do well in the group, but at least they have a friend. Um, that could help a lot. Hmm. Very, very good. Well, we uh, I think we both feel for these parents and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they obviously love their son. They want what's best for him and are at a loss. So hopefully some of this stuff may be helpful for you, parents, and and for others going through similar things. Uh, Michael, as always, thank you very, very much for your insights. Mm. Thank you, and thanks to everyone who writes in. Yes, thank you so much. And don't forget to go to our wonderofparenting.com page where we've got a lot of resources for you, and then our Facebook page, Wonder of Parenting, the group there, and uh, just hit join, and we'll let you in, and you'll have a chance to to look into some questions from other parents and give your own input and ask your own questions, and we encourage you to do that. We'll be back with you next time for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.